It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome again to another Tucson Means Business. And a couple of very exciting... Well, they are businessmen, all right. They've been around a long time building businesses in this city, and by gee, are they successful. The show itself, of course, is uh, brought to us by the 49ers Golf and Country Club, and they've been around a long time as well. And they call it the Phoenix at the moment because you wouldn't recognize it. It's beautiful, and so is all the new buildings, and so is the uh, restaurant and the Rincon Grill and so on, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. But... Tucson Means Business, proudly brought to us on the Business Radio Network here in Tucson, coming to you from the Stuart Title Building on Broadway. My guest today, let's talk about them, Brett Wright. He's the owner and he's the president of DNH Air Conditioning and Heating Company. Welcome, Brett. Thank you very much. Nice to have you. His grandfather, Arthur Dumas, uh, du, Duhamel? Duhamel. Duhamel. And partner, his partner was Harry Hawk. They founded the company in Tucson way back when men were men and women loved them for it. That was 1959, right? Absolutely. <laughs> he says he literally grew up in the business, tagged around with his grandpa, and by age six and by his teens, he was digging ditches and working in the shop before studying business at the U of A. So it's fair to say, Brett, that you're part of the furniture, as they say. Definitely part of the furniture. I'm a fixture. <laughs> All righty. So that's guest number one. He's going to be a lot of fun today. The other fellow, I think you've heard of him before, by the name of Howard Stewart. Who? Howard Stewart. Oh, that's the president fellow of AGM. He is indeed. AGM container controls and a lot of other things. Tucson-based manufacturing company with 145 employees. And AGM has an employee stock ownership program. As such, every AGM employee is either an employee owner or in the process of becoming such. AGM manufactures environmental control hardware for missiles and other electro-optical equipment. AGM also manufactures the world's premier vertical wheelchair lift which provides access to elevation changes in public facilities and residences for individuals and disabilities. Welcome, Howard. Uh, thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. Nice to see you again. You've been working at AGM for the last 30 consecutive years. He That's correct. You actually started working there part-time as a 12-year-old back in 1971. That's correct. I was paid... Uh Overpaid at one dollar per hour. <laughs> I, I look, my research is a buck forty an hour. <laughs> Don't give up forty cents so easily. Uh, but it was by minimum wage. I beg your pardon. Minimum wage was a dollar forty an hour, but you were only paid a dollar an hour. That's right. And most of the my fellow employees thought I was well overpaid. Well, why would that be? I mean, you would agree with other employees' assessments at the time. That he was vastly overpaid, correct. Yeah. In the meanwhile, Howard has renegotiated his compensation with AGM management. Howard worked part-time at AGM from 1971 to 1983, and he currently serves as the 2019-2020 Open Your Heart Chair for the American Heart Association, the AHA, Tucson Chapter, and he serves as a board member for the United Way of Tucson and Southern Arizona. The UWTSA 
United Way Tucson of Southern Arizona. 213 to 220 and also serves as a board member for the Tucson Metro Chamber, 2012 to 2020. A very, very busy boy indeed. Howard, you chaired the AR Heart Stroke Ball. Now, this helped to raise some incredible amount of money, $500,000 for local heart research, right? That's correct. We raised about $550,000, and with matching uh, funds and grants that we uh, received from outside of the state, uh, this basically translates to about a million and a half to $2 million worth of heart research that will be performed right here in Tucson. That's fabulous. That That is amazing. Your leadership, I mean, apparently under your leadership, AGM has successfully run 21 consecutive uh, UWTSA fundraising campaigns at the Gold Award level. Is that right? That's correct. We have the longest running Gold Award record in all of Southern Arizona. In 2019, AGM... Uh, achieved its 27th straight year without a layoff. That is correct. What did you do to achieve this? How does one do that? (laughs) Um, You know, you just keep on trying to improve your business in various areas. You know, inevitably, you're going to have uh, product lines that uh, struggle here and there, and you just have to make sure that everybody's cross-trained so that they can help out in other areas. And you also have to make sure that you're growing your business at a fast enough pace that uh, there will never be a need for a layoff. Well, uh, by recreating AGM's college tuition reimbursement plan, this is a record 26% of your workforce attended college in 2018. You must be pretty proud of that. I am. I'm very much uh, pleased with that, and we hope to push it up further in in the years ahead. There's a marvelous initiative in Tucson going on called Fly Tucson First. We're going to come back and talk to you about that a little bit later on because I I know it's a favorite uh, one of yours and uh, you're doing a lot towards it. Now, Brett. Yes. You you bought the company uh, in 87. That's correct. My granddad uh, was getting to the place where he wanted to retire a little bit more. I say that because... If you're a starter of a company like that, you never completely retire. You just come in and open mail and keep an eye on everybody else, especially me. Uh, but to make it uh, official, I bought the company from him in 1987. Well, there you go. I mean, uh, Brett Wright, we're speaking to, is the owner and president of D&H Air Conditioning and Heating Company here in Tucson. Been around for a long time, celebrating 60th anniversary. The family-owned business continues to provide consistent, high-quality, expert uh, HVAC services throughout Southern Arizona. The company, in fact, is doing an exciting first as they're in the process of building an HVAC workforce training center. It's opening in 2020. Where is this location going to be, Brett? The, uh, the new building is in the Evans Business Park, which is just adjacent to Park in Ajo. So it's down near the airport area. Okay. Pretty yeah. handy. Lots of parking. Plenty of... 61 spaces. Wow. I, I, we had to count them. <laughs> we had to count them because that was part of the zoning requirement. Let's look at D&H, shall we? Word has it that four core values has set D&H air conditioning and heating apart from the competition. So if I was to, uh, you know, ask you straight out, what would they be? Well, there's, there's more than four, but the four primary values are service. I mean, delivering great service to our clients in the marketplace and to our employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, innovation. It's been a hallmark of ours, as we've talked just a minute ago. You have to constantly innovate your company or you're in trouble. Sooner or later, you're in trouble. Knowledge. We focus a lot on training and everybody has to stay trained from myself 
all the way down through every level of the company. And lastly, experience. And uh, this is what really delivers it to the marketplace because we've, uh, we're actually working on our fourth generation of the company. We started as uh, residential custom home builders, which was when my granddad uh, was running the company full time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as I moved into there after completing my studies at the U of A, I thought that it might be time for a change a little bit to, uh, to move in a couple of other directions. And we went into commercial new construction. Okay. And then uh, that one was not much more fun than residential new construction. And we moved into direct service to our clients. So we're, we're not working through a general contract anymore. We're providing services directly to the marketplace. And that's kind of where we found our home. Um, clients that are purchasing our services directly tend to want um, a little bit different than somebody that's going to buy a building somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road. So uh, mm. this is our, our calling. Um, we're, we work straight for our homeowners and business owners directly. And that's uh, that was our, our third generation. And now we've been doing this for probably about 25, 30 years, and we're ready to move into this new building right. and, and take it to what we call the fourth generation or evolution of our company. And uh, we're really excited about that. Wow. It sounds exciting, doesn't it, Howard? I mean, uh, Definitely. Sounds like know. they're doing a lot of correct things. To yeah, well, you're both a couple of uh, you know movers and shakers. There's no doubt about it. So what a great show we've got lined up today. A couple of real big heavies, I'll tell you. Now, DNH has been Southern Arizona's leader in this particular industry since 59. And today, through investments in hiring, training, equipment, and technology, what a good four to go together, huh? You seem to be well prepared for major technologic, uh, technological changes coming into the industry. This is a, a definite need, right? There's, there's no question about it. Uh, there's really a couple of parts that have been coming together for a long time, or three parts, if you will. Um, there's, there's a constant evolution of the marketplace, the consumer, the people that are using our services. They want... Uh, clean, trusted, trained professionals when they're coming out to their houses or buildings. It's mm -hmm. just a time for our industry to, to be evolving. Another element of this is that uh, the technology is changing. You know, back in the days when I was a young man, I was working with my grandfather, almost every part of an air conditioner could be taken apart, rebuilt, reassembled, remanufactured, put back together and, and keep going. Mm. But that's just not the way of the modern technology and products are changing it. They're almost like a, they're, they're computers now and uh, they they have incredible sophistication to them. The performance standards are exacting. And uh, as a result, the labor force needs to be exacting and well-trained mm. and prepared to deal with that. So um, that's that's really what's driving the technological changes. Right. And in order to keep up with those technological changes, we need to keep up with that with our workforce. So it's very much then like the car game got there for a while. Once all the modern new cars started coming out, computerized and so on, a lot of the old grease monkeys, as we used to call them, they're a little bit out of their... Uh you know, their knowledge, aren't they, really, until they had to be trained? It's actually very true. We, uh, I often use this story when I talk to people about what's happening in our industry. We, uh, we used to do business with uh, a gas station, a service station, as right. we called them. It was on the corner of 
River Road and Oracle, and uh, there was a guy there that we'd get our gas there, and we'd also get him to he'd put tires on for us if we needed a brake job or a carburetor, yep. and everything was done kind of in house. And uh, you know, one hand washes the other is what my granddad always taught me. Make sure you do business with the people in your community, and you support them if you want them to support you. And so we always went there, and it was a great relationship. You really knew everybody. And uh, one day the owner came up to me and he said, "You know, you're going to have to find somewhere else to get your." your vehicles your trucks worked on pretty soon i'm like well what's happening mm -hmm. he goes we're we're changing what we do and um we're going to become a convenience store that sells gasoline <laughs> and i'm like really how's that gonna work out for you and he goes i hope it works out real good i'm just getting tired of being covered in grease working on my knees underneath cars and this is gonna be awesome we're gonna sell newspapers and lottery tickets beer and potato chips and i won't be on my knees getting dirty and and that's exactly what happened and so you see industries like that uh, all around us you know when i was a kid Growing up in uh, in Tucson, we would walk through the desert with canteens of water, and we would go to the Rexall drugstore that was owned and run by um, a, a guy that uh, owned the pharmacy that ran mm -hmm. that pharmacy, and we'd have hamburgers and cokes mm -hmm. and stuff, and then we'd hike back home. But now those are gone, so they evolved yeah. uh, into your your uh, Walgreens and other big service centers. Automotive industries changed. Everything's changed. Our industry has really been kind of the lagger behind, but uh, but technology changes it. The marketplace, the demands of the of the clients change it, and as a result, it's it's time for our industry also to kind of evolve and grow up and do a better job delivering products and services and taking care of our people. So that's what we're focusing on. How? What about you? Did you walk through the uh, the paddocks with cans of water, making the old days? Uh, not exactly, but you know, likewise. Um, you know, our company, we used to have very few people who had attended any college at all. And um, basically, the company's becoming far more technical, a lot more technology requirements, um, whether in engineering or manufacturing or information technology. But even in, like, marketing, you know, there's a lot more, you know, back in, the, back in even the mid-'90s, you know, our marketing people, frankly, were just dealing with print ads. Uh, now, yeah. with what's happening with, you know, Google and their algorithms, um, those are basically changing every day. So our marketing people have to be, uh, we constantly have to send them out and get them caught up on the, mo on the latest uh, SEO uh, search engine optimization requirements. Yeah. And what's going on exactly? I mean, otherwise you're just left in the dust. I realize that. You proposed, uh, you proposed an important uh, new, well, it is a two-side initiative, totally, in 2017. It's homegrown, all right? No one from outside came to help you with this. Uh, it's been named Fly Tucson. In fact, uh, I think it's been renamed, too, Fly Tucson First. Uh, the initiative's purpose is to get Tucsonans to understand the vital economic impact that will occur uh, if we fly in and out of our own town, our, our own e Tucson International Airport. That's correct. Now, the renaming, what, what's going on there? What happened there? No, it wasn't really named, renamed. It's still it's Fly Tucson First. And what I'm really trying to get people to understand is that when we Tucsonans don't use our own airport and we fly out of the um, airport up in Phoenix to the north, Sky mm -hmm. Harbor International, um, you know, we might, in some cases, people might find some own individual savings, 
Um, but I, in most cases, I truly don't think they do. And on top of that, um, it basically hurts our economy right here in Tucson. Mm. And we got to just stop doing it. Um, basically, if we if we were flying all those flights out of Tucson instead of Phoenix, our airport could grow by roughly 40%. And of course, that would just give us a lot more you know, flights to cities that a lot of us like to fly to anyhow, but as well as open up traffic to new cities. And uh, um, I'll give you a great example. The, the biggest part of this country, the most populated is the Eastern Seaboard. How many flights does Tucson have to the Eastern Seaboard? A good question. None. At all? None at all. All those people are flying in and out of Phoenix. So all they see is Phoenix unless they drive, possibly fly down here. But I think a rel- maybe one in 10 right. probably does. Um, but the real problem is that when they don't see us down here, they're not using our air. They're not using our hotels. They're not, you know, renting our cars. They're not uh, shopping in our malls. They're not seeing our tourist attractions. And they're not ultimately realizing what a great place Tucson is to maybe buy a business um, or buy a residence. So we've got we've got to stop this bad habit of not supporting our own airport. Uh, there's a lot of things that come out of it, isn't there? It's not just about, you know, stopping and having a game of golf or something. All those things that you mentioned, uh, that lots of people come from the east, want to get out of that weather. They're experienced business people, I guess, in a lot of cases. Wouldn't mind opening up another business here in, in better weather and so on. Right. But if they don't get down here, they're not going to know. That's correct. And, and, you know, a lot of times companies might want to expand their presence, you know, in different areas of the country. Well, if they can't, if a business person can't good get get good air service out of in and out of Tucson, where are they going to locate? Well, of course they're going to locate in Phoenix, and you know Phoenix, um, the average wage compensation mm-hmm. is much higher. And I truly believe at the root of, of a lot of this mm-hmm. is their airport. Um, it's just making them them have a much more successful economy. And I'm not anti Phoenix. I love Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But we need to be getting our fair share down here in Tucson. I agree with that. So the initiative itself, where are you at now after, what, another year, let's say? Well, um, I haven't heard it in the last few months, but basically, even before the initiative began, uh, the airport was on an increase in terms of um, the number of Tucsonans flying in and out of Tucson International Airport. I haven't heard an update in the last few months, but I think that we're still on an uptick. And we just need to continue that. But more and more, you know, we just need more and more people to start thinking about, you know, how this is hurting our economy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, it reminds me of the old uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin quote, uh, when he said to the early Congress, he said, you know, we need to all hang together or we shall surely hang separately. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think likewise that, you know, yep. we've got to stop thinking about our individual selves mm-hmm. and think about our community self. A whole bit. Uh, you've bred over the years. You, you, you've seen this uh, in your industry. Is there any way at all that by flying directly in or out of Tucson Airport, it could have helped your industry at all? Uh, there's no question. I completely agree with everything that you've said. Uh, those of us that have been here for a long time have, have agreed with this. You know, flying in and out of Tucson, we travel a lot because we're 
always sending people to training. Now, one of the reasons for this facility is to be able to do more training, right. but do it locally and actually bring people here right. for training. So right. um, this will be a, a pretty state-of-the-art regional facility. We anticipate um, different companies coming to Tucson to participate in it. But uh, not only that, but you know, getting out for us, since we do so much outward training as well, would make it easy. I personally never fly, just so you know. I never fly out of Phoenix. I'm pleased to hear it, Brett. I, I just won't do it. I'll, yeah. I'll find a flight to go out of Tucson uh, without without exception. And and there's a practical side to that as well, because I completely agree with your position. We have to support each other, whether it's right. restaurants or flights or whatever. So I'm a Tucson person, 100%. But going to Phoenix is very inconvenient. It, to your point, it's more expensive to travel than people think. And it's always fraught with some problem whether it's construction or an accident i've known people that have missed flights going back and forth to right. phoenix or been right. delayed for two or three hours on the freeway it's just not a really practical solution anymore. you're you're totally correct and you know i think if you look at the irs reimbursable rate right now i think it's around i don't know 55 or 58 cents a mile or whatever it is but, you know, it's, uh, I'd say the average Tucson and probably has to drive 210 miles times that rate. Right. So that's another factor. Their parking typically costs three to four times yeah. what ours does. And a lot of times people go, well, my flight's so early, I might as well go up and stay there overnight. Correct. And then, of course, in that case, they're going to have breakfast somewhere in the morning. And likewise, they get back home late and they have, you know, some sort of meal up there. And it's just, we've got to stop the nonsense. Another factor is that when you drive, you know, when you drive here to the Tucson airport, for most of us, it's a relatively short, safe drive. I don't think that can be said of people who are having to get on the road and make that long drive back and forth to Phoenix. It's, yep. it's just not as safe. I don't like it. I, I'm, I'm one of them. I'll put my yeah. hand up for that one of those. <laughs> no, we don't go there. You know, that's the whole thing. Howard, you, you've been a winner most of your life. You're a pusher, but you get things done. You know, you, you think of the community. In, in 2018, you were named CEO of the Year uh, by Tucson Local Media. In 2009, AGM was recognized as America's Small Business of the Year and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce as well. And in 2002, uh, Howard was recognized as Tucson's Small Business Leader of the Year. So uh, a few little pats on the back there, Brett. And the fellow knows what he's talking about. You know what I mean? He certainly does. <laughs> and I love to hear it, too. I hope everybody out there listening agrees and here's with Here's one I really do like he's initiated. Uh, you stated that 26% of AGM employees attended college in 2018, right? That's correct. Uh, why does AGM believe that a college educated employee is so valuable to your workforce that you support this program strongly? Um, once again, the world's just getting to be a more and more complicated uh, place. Um, you know, back when our company started in the 70s, um, actually it was right around 1970, and I think Pima College had started just two years earlier. But at the, you know, the time, 60s, early 70s, for the most part, I think most people could get by with just a high school degree. And just the world has changed dramatically. I think, you know, just what Brett was talking about with like um, uh, Brett and you were talking about in terms of how much more complicated things like air conditioners are or cars or things like that. And you just need people with, you know, increasing skill sets. Plus, our company is just becoming, you know, we were basically a low tech company. 
that is, I wouldn't call us a high tech company yet, but we're, we're probably really moving towards being a medium tech company. And, and frankly, we're also, whereas we we're really focused on sort of mechanical, mechanically engineered products, uh, we're now beginning to move into chemical, uh, chemically engineered or electronically uh, engineer project products. So we just need a, a brighter mm-hmm. and brighter workforce. And frankly, it's relatively cheap money. You know, I spend about a little over a hundred thousand a year on education. And for that, I'm able to get about, I think it was last year, we got about 35 employees out for training. Some of them went multiple times to different trainings. Mm-hmm. And then we got another um, 30 Employees actually, yeah, thir- another thirty employees educated at places like Pima, the University of Arizona, or through various online institutions. And and what happens is when those employees, you know, get further educated, they just become more valuable. I mean, wouldn't you want an, you know, for an employee, somebody who had stronger math skills, computer skills, keyboard skills, uh, oral yeah. skills, written skills, all those scientific? It's just it yeah. just goes on and on. And so that's why. Our that's why our company is performing so well is we've got, we've got bright, bright people. They're mm-hmm. the best. Well, uh, a lot of it is thanks to you in, in, uh, in ways where, you know, you support them implicitly, but you did state that the top officials at Pima community college have relayed to you that no other organization in Southern Arizona is achieving similar results to what you've talked about. Why does your college tuition reimbursement program work when so many other similar programs effectively fail? I think one thing is um, we don't wait, just wait. Well, we, we, for one thing, we reimburse the employees so they know that when they pay for these classes, they're going to get reimbursed. Some are on other programs like the GM, GI Bill or, for example, the um, uh, machinists that we have going through the Southern Arizona Manufacturing Partners Program. Uh, where they're paid by outside sources. But um, regardless of who's paying for it, mm-hmm. um, every single time I look at their reviews, I find out how they did in the class. I find out, like, how difficult was it? A three-credit, four-credit class was, did they get an A, a B, or a C? Did they, um, is this a class that has some sort of application to their current position or to a future position to which they aspire? And I factor that all into their wage review. So they're moving up the wage scale much faster uh, than, frankly, um, the average employee who, you know, the, the, the ones who, who don't take that path. And so they, and they know that's going to happen. And so it just encourages more and more of them to get involved. Right. We also do a lot of saluting to, to the people who are, you know, pursuing education. And, you know, whenever we have like a, our quarterly meetings or state of the company meetings, uh, there's usually some sort of announcement about people who are succeeding um, on these degree paths. Right. Well, it's my understanding that uh, you'll even reimburse your employees for coursework that has nothing to do, in fact, with your business uh, or personal interests. Uh, give us some examples of uh, some of this coursework and help me to understand why would you support that? Um, yeah, a great example is uh, a couple of years ago I had a... Uh, a young lady, smart young lady, uh, who chose to pursue nursing, and um, I, I said, yeah, sure, let's, you know, we'll support that. Um, the reason I did it was because, for one thing, I think life is short, um, and I really would like to see every one of my employees achieve their dreams, even if it's not the same as mine. Um, another reason is because 
I knew that there's a deficit of nurses in our community, really all over the country. And so, you know, just kind of like giving back through United Way or something like that. It's just another way to give back. And, you know, that that nurse is going to go out there and she's going to save lives. Right. Well, that sort of ties in with what I'm doing with the American Heart Association. Right. Um, so the other thing, though, too, is that when when she's taking coursework, for example, she's becoming just a, a more critical thinker, uh, developing her logic skills. Uh, developing her, again, her writing skills, her math skills, her ability to comprehend. And so I watched as she just became a more and more valuable employee as she worked her way you know, through college. And she's off now, and I, I'm so mm-hmm. pleased to know that I was able to put a you know, nurse out there. Right. But we've also been helping people who want to pursue, say, education or social work. Right. Well, you got a friend for life there, haven't you? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Brett, let me ask you this. Uh, firstly, congratulations on celebrating 60 years in business. I mean, this day and age, it's no mean feat. Tell us more about d and um, What would your customers say that they would love most about your business? Well, you know, first of all, you've got to be able to put the right people to the tasks that are out there. So we, we need to be well-trained, uh, both in technology and in professional services. Even though we're a home service contracting-based business, people want professional services, whether that's in their automotive work or any other business, and especially when we're going into their homes. But I'll, I'll tell you what I think really helps us stand apart. And uh, we, we invest in our people so that they can invest in our clients. But we live here in Tucson. We are Tucsonans through and through. We, I kind of like to call us a, a Tucson original organization. So we want to make sure that uh, our, our, our employees that are going out are, are doing a great job. And we think it makes a difference because we see competitors uh, that are based out of another state or they're based out of another city. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not the same focus on engagement. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's critical, especially in, in an industry where people aren't familiar with it. There's always what we don't know, we don't trust. And, and so we, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we're always doing it. And, and I like to tell uh, our employees and tell people, look, we're, uh, we're happy to be here. We're, we're proud to be here. We're not gonna hide from anybody. We want to be able to see our clients where we go to a baseball game or a movie theater or out to a restaurant. Yeah, not have to run the other way. Yeah, we're not running the other way. And, right. and, and, uh, and um, you know, we're excited about the opportunity if, if something needs to be taken care of or something slipped through the cracks that people have the chance to, uh, to just come and talk to us about it. And I can tell you that uh, nothing speaks better to employees to know that they're going to work for a place that stands behind everything that's in the market. And what, what we say we're going to do, we do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, it emboldens them. And they have a sense of pride. I, I was talking to one of our, our installers just, uh, just yesterday afternoon. And uh, he said, is it, is it illegal for our competitors to try to hire me when we're at warehouses and parts houses? And I chuckled. I said, no, it, it's not illegal. He goes, why would I ever go anywhere else? Right. I love working here <laughs> and where we're going and what we're doing and how we do it. This is what we're supposed to be able to do. So I, I, I just, you know, I gave the guy a hug and I said, I appreciate it. We know we're doing something right. They, I'm always asking the guys, how are we doing and how's everything? And they go, we're doing good. I go, how are we treating you? And they're just not used to being asked that. How are we taking care of you? So I applaud what you're doing as far as uh, college education and supporting your mm-hmm. employees, because the other thing that does is it just raises everybody's commitment 
to each other as a team and to the business uh, overall and then to what their agenda is. So, so for us, it's providing services into the marketplace. And it's sure nice when everybody's on the same page. You don't have to look over your shoulder. Uh, it works better when we're all have the same vision and the same goal and the same understanding of what the guy next to us is going to be doing. Right, well. right. And that's Brad Wright speaking. In case you just tuned in, um, uh, this is another uh, podcast episode of Tucson Means Business where we feature leaders in our community who are doing marvelous things. And DNH uh, uh, CEO and president and chief cook and bottle washer, the fellow's been there <laughs> for years. Uh, he's doing some wonderful stuff. And when we come back, we're going to ask Brett about uh, this wonderful new training center. It's a first of its type in southern Arizona. And, of course, the other gentleman is Howard Stewart, CEO of AGM Controllers and uh, well-known in town for all his uh, wonderful work in the community and philanthropic and not so well-known for his dancing, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, we are here thanks to uh, the 49ers. Um, are you a golfer, Brett, by any chance? I used to golf with my dad when I was younger. I, you? I, I just haven't had a chance to do much of it lately. I'm right. working so much. What about you, I Howard? You don't get much time, do you, really? I, I don't. I likewise used to golf, but uh, yeah. that fell off my radar a good 25 years ago or so. Well, it was 25 years ago um, when the 49ers, I mean, it's been through a lot and the locals know that. But now it's like the Phoenix, the ashes. It's uh, it's wonderful. It's been just about totally uh, regrown. It's looking beautiful. Of course, this time of year, there's seating and so on. But uh, it's not just that. It's all the new buildings there. So if you've got a wedding coming up or a bar mitzvah, maybe, or a 21st, or anything you want to celebrate. Uh, maybe having a baby and you want the girls, there's a room that'll suit for whatever you've got. And the gym, of course, well, that's fully equipped. And there's ladies and guys and all sorts of different things for either and uh, all mixed. So uh, there's plenty to do with the club. And you're welcome. Just give them a call and say, look, send me out something or have a look on the site, in fact, 49ers.com, and uh, you'll be able to see all the various things that are going on. And that includes the brand new uh, lovely Rincon Restaurant Grill with the executive chef and Mackenzie Taylor, the brand new executive chef. And of course, now she is also the um, uh, head thing. What do you call it? Chief cook and bottle washer there. The, uh, oh, I forget the title of it, but it means she runs the joint. All right. That's the Rincon Grill. But she's a marvelous chef. And she'll know anyway. She listens. She likes to laugh. Listen, Brett, tell us more about this wonderful training center. I mean, it's a big house, right? On a few acres or something, right? Well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the, the background behind it. Like we've talked about earlier, that everything's evolving. And, and uh, approximately in the United States, we're 20 million skilled labor uh, employees shy. So... This is a huge number, and it's been this way since the 80s when my granddad first got me involved in some industry associations. And since the 80s, uh, nothing's changed to improve the situation. A lot of people are going to college uh, or they're out looking for jobs, and a lot of vocational schools went away. I know mm -hmm. in my high school they don't teach it anymore. Um, and, and so we, we've continued to have a shortage nationally. And it, there's, there's really three elements to this that's not a good uh, cabal for, for a, a nice solution. And that is we're short to begin with. And out of that pile that's still working, every year more, more people are retiring. They're just, they're just getting done with it. And we don't really have a lot of younger people or facilities to train adults to get back into it. And so like anything, 
uh, when, when we ignore it and, we, and demand continues, when we have economic recovery, um, we're short. And so everybody's uh, fighting for the, the 10 people that are available. Okay. And, and, uh, and there's no place for us to bring new people in. So I, I, along with most of our industry, have been waiting for somebody else to do something. Somebody else has got to fix this. Somebody else has to address it. And finally, I, I just got tired of it. And um, we came up with this concept years ago and uh, we've been working real hard ever since so the the building now uh is is it's almost eight times the size of our current building it's a complete operational center for our company so it houses our business operations which is call center dispatching center um, hvac service management and field managers technicians installation uh, managers and install field managers all the employees, uh, inventory, mm. everything that goes on in that building that's necessary for our business. And, and uh, we've, we've got all of our business uh, elements of it in an upstairs area. But the downstairs area is, is really the best part. It's, it's where the business is. I, I think I'm going to get a cubicle down there when we're done so that I can stay there. And the reason is what we created here was a classroom. This classroom is a high-tech facility with the ability to stream uh, information into the facility and use the facility as a training host to stream information back out. So it will seat easily between 40 and 50 people at a time. Um, and then we've married that with a a lab, an equipment lab. So all right. the types of new equipment and even some of the old equipment that's been around for years will be okay. out there. And we're, we're um, connecting that with our primary manufacturer, which is Daikin. They, they came to the United States a few years ago. They built a facility they're here. Huge, yeah. They're the biggest one in the world. And everywhere they go, they manufacture locally, which we like. So it's an American uh, manufactured product. So, so before this, though, I'm visualizing you would have to train in the field. Yes. Right? Yeah. Whereas now, what you're saying now is, and you'll probably still do a bit of that anyway, but everything's under the one roof in a position like they're working on a job at a house. Well, that's the best part. We have the classroom. We have the training lab. But we sat there scratching our heads a few years ago and said, look, we've got to take these services into the homeowners. And, and, and these guys need practice. So we you know, conceived of, designed, and engineered a three-bedroom house inside of this commercial building and the house is equipped with everything it's a fully function house kitchen mm. bathrooms uh the whole thing is, is is literally a house that they will be servicing is what they're going to be trained in and then to make it better we have uh, put all the different types of systems in this house so we'll have four different styles we have ductless systems we have vertical gas systems we have attic systems heat pumps and package units and one of the bedrooms in this house is what we call a control room so uh, every one of those systems will be able to be isolated right and then we will be able to simulate failures inside of a particular system okay the house has equipped with closed circuit color 4K audio visual <laughs> all over the cameras so that right. what will happen is we'll put a role player in there, perhaps a, a customer that volunteers or a, a spouse of, a, of an employee and a technicians will be sent there as they test out. So we'll, we'll teach, train and perfect in this house mm -hmm. and uh, and they'll literally drive. They'll get something on their tablet that says go to 10 Learning Center Way, whatever we're going to call it. And uh, you have a 14 year old system. It's no cooling. They won't know anything else. Uh, they'll come in to the building they'll go to the house they'll knock mm. on the door the homeowner will only know that they've got a 14 year old system it's not cooling 
And our technicians will need to go through the in-home process that we have, which is very specific, very staged, so we don't miss anything. And a lot of it is in communicating to our clients what they've got. So in, in a particular scenario like that, uh, it's 14 years old, they, he, they'll find a bad compressor and uh, they'll give choices. We always give options to our clients. We don't like to tell them what to do. We like to provide them with choices. So they always have at least three choices. In this scenario, the homeowner would say, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna replace it. And then tech says, that's great. We'll send a comfort advisor to it. This is like the uh, graduation test, like the final exam. A comfort advisor will only know it's a 14-year-old unit. They'll meet the homeowner. They'll go through the six in-home process steps that the uh, comfort advisors go through. Okay. And uh, then that homeowner will know, I'm going to choose option B. I want to replace the unit with option B. Let's right. just say that. And that's being done without ramming it down their throat. Without well. ramming anything down anybody's throat. We want to help people. We're, we, I always say I'm an advisor. I'm going to be, I'll guide you through the process. Cool. Uh, we want to provide uh, homeowners uh, with the necessary information to make great selections. So once that's done, um, then we'll literally have an installation team go there and they'll remove that system protect the house, have mm -hmm. these drop cloths and booties mm -hmm. and proper, you know, everything that we do. Uh, and they'll literally pull that system out and install a brand new system under the watchful eye of the training coaches. Mm -hmm. And then anybody that says, oh, I did that. Well, you didn't. We did. They'll be able to pull out the chip and self-evaluate their own performance. <laughs> How so, about that? And we'll be able to certify each one of those uh, employees for every one of the steps from technical right. steps to professional service steps inside that house before we turn them loose on the marketplace. And part of that training, because we're a fully functioning contracting company, is as the, uh, as the, as the employees are going through the different levels of training, they'll be uh, matched with senior technicians and senior installers, and they'll literally behave, have an opportunity to do on-the-job training. So there'll be classroom, there'll be equipment lab, there'll be uh, the training in perfect house, right. and then there'll be ride-along. So it's- uh, No excuses, man. There's no excuses. And I'll tell you from what we understand, it's the only uh, contractor-based certified training facility like it in the country. Wow. So when we're done, there'll be, uh, there'll be nothing else like it. And, and uh, we, we, we don't think anything's ever been mm, possibly in Good the world. You. So we'll see how that works. Right works. here in a little old Tuxin. Huh? In a little old Tuxin. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what would you say to someone uh, about why they should consider a career in, in uh, HVAC, as I call it, versus a four-year college experience? You know, that's, I mean, that's, you've explained a hell yeah. of a lot of it already, haven't you? I, I got to tell you, it's, it, what a great time for us to be on, on this podcast together because, you know, I'm a big believer. In, in, uh, in college education, education period. Uh, like you said, uh, it develops critical thinking, it develops a lot of school maturity, uh, perspective, balance, conversation, communication, excellent. However, it's not for everybody. Um, there's a large percentage of uh, high school graduates that uh, don't want to go to college, whether it's uh, the cost of going to college mm -hmm. or they feel like they need to mature or they want to get out and make money right away or any number of 100 reasons. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so we want to be able to reach out to, to uh, students getting out of high school, students completing college. Big, big proponent of that. And, and actually even adults uh, that want a career change and we want to target military people coming out. So why is this a great career opportunity? Because you can uh, you can come in and get a definite uh, career out of it. You, right. you know, you, these these trades aren't going anywhere. You, you can't have economic development. You can't have flights. You can't even have an airport without people building the airport. That's right. And maintaining the air conditioning systems and the plumbing systems. That's it. It's not going away. And uh, because there's fewer and fewer people, um, actually, we, we have technicians that come out of there and 
we've got kids in their 20s making you know uh, 150,000 a year between different departments so there's a big attraction because the costs no it's a real career yeah it's it's a real career a real career top money money. that works and they don't have any big debt when what about enrolling someone wants to do it right now you know they've heard the podcast about quick how do i do on what do they do well really the best way to do it is get a hold of our social media and get in touch with us because the building is expected to be done uh, we're, we're anticipating November, and then uh, we'll start putting together all the right. training co- elements of it. Um, in order to have a certified training facility, mm-hmm. our trainers have to go to Houston. They have to be uh, taught and trained, and then they come here and they certify us. So we expect that we'll start putting uh, students together in this thing probably the second quarter of 2020. So re- begin to reach out to us. We're, we're happy to begin taking uh, applications. We'll keep it start on record up, right. and just start to get them lined up. So when do you think you'll be open? The, uh, the the training center will be open next year, um, probably by my goal would be to be around April, and the building will be moving in in November. So we'll, we'll okay. get in there for a few months, uh, get all the squeaks and rattles tightened down, and really start focusing on the training facility. That's the heart of the business for us. It'll be uh, great. My, my heart is a lot like yours in that uh, we got to give back, right? We, we we've been around for a long time. Um, my granddad was a big believer in supporting the community. I, I, my, my favorite professor was a Dr. Bueller at the U of A. He was an economics professor, and, he, and uh, 1A, economics 1A said, if you're uh, deriving income and benefit from a community, it's your obligation morally to give back to that community. There you go. And, and so I've never forgotten that. So um, we want to get people in. We want to build careers for people. Our goal is not to have employees, but to have careers so that they can, we call it zero to hero, come in, uh, go to work, get trained, and retire. And eventually, we, we want to be able to put branches up in other states, other cities, so we can keep people moving forward. So That's we'll excellent. see. That, it, it's a long, uh, it's, it's a, a big dream, view. and it's a big good dream. luck with it. But, well, you're making it happen, so it's it's becoming real. Yep. Howard, you're a spokesperson for the movement Achieve 60 AZ. Still, you are yes. good. Uh, thank God for that. What is at least, that? At least here in Southern Arizona, <laughs> okay. I've only spoken a few times up in Phoenix. But what's the organization all about? What's its mission? Um, basically, the mission of Achieve Sixty AZ is to get more and more um, folks college educated. And by the way, uh, as Brett was talking, I want to just say that um, a lot of the people that we're actually having college. They're they're pursuing um, certificates um, or associate degrees in similar fields like like HVAC. Um, in in our case, uh, they're particularly pursuing pursuing uh, machine shop because we need machine shop personnel. So right. I don't want to kind of indicate that everybody that we're you know, that we're trying to get everybody through you know, a four-year bachelor's or through a master's or something like that. But yeah. we're, we're supportive of the whole thing. Right. So right now, um, my, it's my understanding that approximately 45% of adult Arizonans have either a certificate, uh, college certificate, an associate's, bachelor's, master's, or doctorate. And we're basically trying to push that number up. Why? Well, once again, like we've been talking about, this world is just getting more and more complicated and the need for education is stronger than ever in terms of if, if people don't have the requisite education, they're not going to be able to fill the demand of the jobs. And, uh, you know, if, if Brett is correct with that, you know, 20 million, you know, we just basically need 20 million more trained people mm-hmm. than we currently have. Well, how else are we going to get them unless we basically get them into these kind of programs that will, um, 
move their lives forward and also help out society. Well, that's it. I mean, it's so diverse in the workforce, and yet the impression can be given college. You know, there are many doctors and lawyers, well, possibly more lawyers than there are doctors walking the streets and, uh, and a few other professions, whereas we can't get tradespeople, qualified good tradespeople, uh, and sometimes you get blow-ins. And, yep. then, and then guys like you have to go and clean up the mess. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, a D&H type thing. Let's talk a bit of fun. Um, you don't play golf. Okay, so what do you do for hobbies, Brett? What, what do you do to relax? You know, I, I'll tell you something. It's so funny. My mom asks me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're going to go nowhere with this, right? <laughs> it, it, <laughs> you know, it. it I, I like to work. That's my relaxation. Okay. Yeah, I, I like yeah, to stay yeah. busy. Um uh, when I'm not working, I'm going through training. I was in, in St. Paul last last week and right. spent four days back there learning leadership mastery. Okay. And uh, I had people come up to me and they go, uh, haven't you been here before? And I go, yes, my third year. And they look at me like, why? And I go, it's called leadership mastery. Uh, and I haven't mastered it yet. So, um, you so, tell you about 60 years. You know, you know, <laughs> what you, what, what can I say? So, so really, I, I like doing that. Um, I like to travel when I have the opportunity. I like right. to spend a lot of time with my family. Good. Um, you know, we, uh, my son's going to, uh, to school up in Colorado State. I got a daughter in Dallas. I got one son that's working with me and another just graduated the U of A that wants to teach English. So between kids and There's life enough travel and business and, yeah. and all that stuff. So I, I like to stay busy. Well, Howard, I know he enjoys dancing and uh, he likes listening to all types of music, including Latin, country, pop, rap, hip hop, classical, well, the works. Uh, he's even competed in many dance uh, contests and uh, he's been recognized with awards in a few of these. And what he really enjoys doing most, I guess, is just listening to music. Is that right, Han? Well, listening to music and, and doing what I call freestyling. So, in other words, not not something that has been um, like a routine or something that right, I okay. practice over and over. I right. prefer just to respond to whatever I'm listening to. What about your friends? Uh, hiking is a thing you like, but... Howard and some of his friends hiked to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, right? That's in correct. Back Tanzania. in nineteen thousand odd feet. Are you nuts or what? Yeah, <laughs> um, it was. It was an experience. I really, I really enjoyed it. And Africa's um, tallest peak. Yes. Uh huh. Wow. All right. And he enjoyed biking. He's biked half over the United States, including a solo trip in '76. At age 17, he biked through 20 states from St. Louis to the coast of Maine. Has also done lengthy bike trips in Austria, Vietnam, and Myanmar. That's correct. That yeah. would have been interesting. It was. I love. I love having just. Um, international experiences. Talking, you know, when you go and you travel like this, uh, I notice that you like to try and learn the native language if you can. I do. I think that's terrific. I do. I've know. got a little bit of experience with Swahili and German, and I particularly enjoy working on my Spanish. Well, around here, I would have thought that'd be very good to know your Spanish, but <laughs> it's good, those languages. Passionate about the Tucson community. Um, you're particularly interested in supporting organizations that contribute to the economic development and welfare of citizenry. And that, that is a fact about this fellow. He believes that it's up to each and every one of us to try to make a positive difference in our community. That's correct. Sounds like you a bit, Brett. Yeah, we're... We've you got know, a lot of the same values yeah. and interests. The yeah. city's very lucky to have, you know, you type of guys in it to care enough about it and to try and do something about it. Your organization, uh, AGMcontainer.com, is that still 
the site, Howard, that's... Uh, the website, can, sure. The mm-hmm. website, www.agmcontainer.com. Uh, there is a URL at linkedin.com slash company slash AGN container. You'll get all the details anyway. If you'd ever like to look the guys up, uh, give them a call, chat, whatever. There's going to be photographs of them and their bios uh, on this site, Tucson Business Radio X, uh, when we're done. Okay, so it'll all be there. What's the best ways for customers to contact you now, Brett? I mean, you're not in this whole big new funky wanky yet. Right. Well, we you know, you can reach us by phone at 408 408- Two six six five, or our website, which is www.d and h a c, and that's all spelled out. So it's d a n d h a c. dot com, and and we have a d and h LinkedIn and Facebook, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and that'll all be there as well. That's good. Before I do want to ask this of you, can you offer just some of our listeners a money saving tip for cooling their homes? In, and it's been pretty, you know, hot lately, and I think it's going to get worse into August. Can you give us some tips? What, would you, what do you recommend? You know, the, the best tip is the simplest tip, and it's also the one that people just simply forget because they don't think about their air conditioning until it's not working. Yeah, and right. Right? I mean, we just don't. It's a, it's a thing, isn't it? We just have this slackness to be like, oh, my it's like, God, uh, it's gone out. Yeah, it's gone out. <laughs> call, call, call. Let, let me guess. But change the filter? Change the filter, yeah. right? And maintain, maintain, maintain. So... Uh, we, we talked about cars, and when I was uh, a kid, we'd we'd work on our own tune-ups, right? And we'd put points and condensers and plugs and all that fun stuff. You can't do that to an air conditioner anymore. So it's time to uh, tell Uncle Bob thanks for all those years of uh, filter changing and vacuuming out the blower and uh, make sure that you get a professional company to come in and service it. Mm-hmm. Just because the, the computers and the circuit boards and the complexity of the equipment, um, boy, it, it, it's expensive, it's delicate, and it's literally a fine operating machine so if you don't maintain it uh, you're losing money because you're paying more in utility costs because it just won't run efficiently Mm -hmm. you're increasing the likelihood of uh, unnecessary repair and you're reducing the life expectancy which means you're going to replace it sooner than needed so maintain 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 and by the way the filter is really there to protect the equipment right okay if you want indoor air quality you got to look at air purification so people Mm -hmm. think oh i'm breathing great i don't need to change my filter right your unit is getting clogged up and dirty and so maintain it and change the filter please 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 now i've heard a bit of a rumor about freon maybe getting phased out is that true yes the uh, montreal protocol from the 90s uh changed uh, most all of the hydrofluorocarbons which is the chemicals that were used in refrigerators automotive air conditioning freezers and everything uh residential freon was phased out over a period of 20 years and we're coming up to the last year so what that means is we have a very small fraction of the original amount of r22 freon mm-hmm. uh, that can even be manufactured in accordance with the protocol uh, everything else is is uh, recycled and refiltered so the price of freon the r22 freon is is skyrocketing and the availability is dropping and the new uh the new chemical which is r410a uh is what all the new equipment uses all right so so the point is is if you've got an older system 
Uh, we know that gas, it's kind of like changing from leaded gas to unleaded gas. We know it's just basically going away. Don't invest a lot of money. Uh, at least explore your options if you right, stay in the house right. for a while. So, Think of the future a little bit. Yeah, that, that's It's really coming. Important. Everything's changing, it, isn't it? It's changing. It's just like, uh, you know, the cars. I, I have the. I watched the other night of a futurist uh, on uh, YouTube. His whole hour was there, um, Tony Sheba. And this guy's never been wrong. And I tell you what, some of the things and the predictions he was talking about, what's, unless you think of it now and you, as, as, you know, heads of your companies, you must constantly be looking at and considering how to stay ahead of the game all the time. Definitely. You know? You can't avoid it. It's everything that we look at and everything we do. We ask ourselves, how does that apply to us? How does it apply to us? Yeah. yeah. Closing, in closing, Howard, um, is there anything you could advise young entrepreneurs, business people who may catch this particular podcast? If you look back at your history, your life, and all the wonderful things that you've achieved and done, is there anything you regret that you perhaps, if you had a chance to go all over it again, you'd do it differently? Hmm. Yeah, I I didn't actually go out and get a business degree, uh, nor do I have an MBA. Um, I've gone through, you know, symposiums here and there to learn about this or that, and I've done a fair amount of reading. But I think I'd like to go back and, and uh, focus on that. I should have probably done so, certainly by the early to mid-90s when I kind of realized my, my career path. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And for you, Brad? You know, it's, it's a great question. I think the, the one thing I would do differently is, is the fear of failing is far, far worse than actual failure because mm. it builds experience. Uh, so I would uh, move quicker on, on decisions. Um, when, you, when you get the right idea, you got to try and fail more often. You got to fail more often. Um, if you fail small, um, <laughs> yeah. the pain is small, but if you wait too late and then you fail, the pain's big. So don't be afraid of, uh, of taking a chance to yeah. get it done. Thanks, Some people, my, my, my father, um, he has often said that I sort of failed my way to success. And some people think that that's really quite a, like a diss. Um, but I think it's very much true. I, I had a lot of failure that's allowed me to, you know, have experiences that I learned from. So uh, you, totally agree with you, Brad. It's 100%. Uh, what is it? Thomas Edison, I found 9,999 ways not to make not a light bulb. Make None right. of them was a failure, right? And that's it. And he's only one story. <laughs> there you go. And you've heard it from the best, I tell you, right here on Tucson Means Business, proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club, uh, an icon, the hidden uh, gem of the desert, as we say. And my thanks to Brett Wright, owner and president of DNH Air, right here, conditioning and heating company, right here in Tucson, and Howard Stewart, President, CEO, AGM Container Controls. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much.